Cinephile. Nicholas Cage. Very sincere group of film enthusiasts who are proudly cinephiles. Oh my goodness! Warren Beatty apparently read the wrong name. This is incredible. Moonlight won Best Picture. Cinephile. Ethan Hawke. It's kind of like I'm a professional actor and I direct for love. There's so much in this world that's dividing us, and music is one of those great tools that brings us together. All right. There's baseball and World War II. It's kind of <laughs> a dream. Cinephile, the Adnan Verk movie podcast. All right, yes. Why wasn't I still recording? That would have been gold. Going to run that as the open. open. Great to have you with us as always on Cinephile. No reviews per se of critic reviews because we're recapping the Tribeca Film Festival. What a wonderful event it was to be a part of. Thanks as always to everybody who downloads and subscribes to Cinephile. Go to iTunes and rate and review. I rank my movies at a four Maple Leafs. Please rank us at a five stars and post your reviews as well. That's how we get more traction and more buildup. So appreciate all of you doing that. Rick Passmore alongside. Dan Stanzik got pulled into a meeting, so unfortunately our producer's not alongside us. But Ricky is here, and it's vital that Rick is here because he and I tag-team Tribeca together, which was a fun adventure. Also, shout-out to Cliff, who is our board up today. Go Flyers, go Eagles. Also a big Meek Mill guy coming out of prison. Before we get into Tribeca, though, I want to just get into this a little bit because I had mentioned on the previous podcast, A Quiet Place, and Ricky, you being a horror film aficionado, that you would appreciate this. You were hot off the heels of seeing it last night. How I said it's the first great film of 2018. How good was it? You're the aficionado in this genre. It's one of the best horror films I've ever seen. And that's saying something. Uh, the Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, it's, Blair Witch Project. it's gonna be up there. It's gonna be talked about, and not specifically for, uh, like you talk about Rosemary's Baby, Exorcist, all the, like all more demonic sure. stuff. This horror film really sits with how you develop characters to make them uh, emotionally attached. Right. How you use all of your tools, use camera, use sound design to bring the audience in, and then hit them. Like there's jump scares. Like every horror movie has it. You're not gonna get away with it. Without it, I should say. Yeah. But the use of the audio, the use of sound design is phenomenal. And making it a, a viable plot point. And using the little Easter eggs throughout, like thinking things aren't going to play through, but definitely making them work later on. Mm -hmm. John Krasinski, make more horror movies, man. Make more horror movies. Let's do this. Let's bring it back. Makes you excited for the potential that a guy who is known as a funny guy in the office now has a filmmaker. Like that, that kind of film is so successful. You say, all right, he's a bona fide filmmaker. He can do a lot yes, of different things. Absolutely. So I agree with you. I can't wait to see more. If you haven't seen a quiet place, you should go see it. All right. Uh, Ricky and I are going to talk about the red carpet and Paris Hilton and Brittany Furlon and our boy Ben Lines and all the rest of it. But first off, thank you to Alan, who is a donor. You know, we have the V Foundation here at ESPN. All the funds go towards cancer research. And Alan bid and successfully won the Cinephile package, which is you can come here to ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, watch me and Rick and Dan and hopefully Ben's here, do a Cinephile together, um, and then go from there. Have lunch at the calf, walk around. You want to go be Mel Kuyper, whatever we do. And then we go to Tribeca, which is a film festival in New York, watch a film together, have dinner. So I'm all set last Thursday to go meet Alan, who won successfully, bid the package. The guy paid like $5,700 for this. Unfortunately, couldn't make it due to travel plans. And so I just want to say thank you, Alan, for being so generous and and being so uh, beneficent. And if you'd like to collect at some point, I don't know, maybe come to Bristol, reach out through the Cinephile ESPN account. Let me know because I still want you to collect because you paid up. Um, so eventually I ended up taking the car myself to go see what we were going to see with Alan and his girlfriend, Vanessa, which is the Schindler's List panel discussion. 
So I had a Little League game. I'm the manager of my eldest son's team. So we had Little League first, and then I hopped in the car and got there. So I timed it well. I got there right at 930. I literally walk in. I don't know if you haven't seen Schindler's List in a while, but I got in right at like the train station scene. I'm like, all right, this is the emotional apex of the movie. I could have done more, et cetera. So it was nice to see it on the, on the big screen, although I did see Schindler's List in the screen originally. I mean, it came out in 93. I was 15. Uh, but just to see it in that theater, obviously, is a cool venue, the Beacon Theater in New York City. And then afterwards, the panel comes out. you got Spielberg, Liam Neeson, Ben Kingsley. So the heavy hitters are there. And just to share a couple of the stories from it, here's what I found fascinating. I mean, we know it's Spielberg's personal project. We know how much he put himself into it. But he needed some humor. He needed some levity because of the fact it was such an intense project. And Janet Maslin, who was the moderator, I used to love her work as a film critic. Now I think it works a lot of books in the New York Times. But she said to him, is it true you're a big Seinfeld fan to, to let loose? And he said, um, no, what, what happened is Robin Williams would call me once a week. And he goes, Robin knew the time difference. He was in San Francisco and I was in Krakow. And he would call me and it'd be 10, 15 minutes. But typical Robin as a comedian, whenever he'd get the biggest laugh, he would just hang up on me. It wasn't even like, all right, good talking to you. It was like, all right, big laugh, big laugh, and then hang up. So he goes, Robin's phone calls were invaluable. And he said, we also would watch a lot of Saturday Night Live. As a whole crew would watch it. And Janet Madison said, but Seinfeld? And Spielberg goes, well, no, listen, I love Seinfeld. He's great, but only in America. I, I did not watch it while making Schindler's List clear that up. And Janet Madison said, a couple of urban myths I want to ask you about. He said, sure. She goes, is it true Mel Gibson was at one point rumored to be the lead? Which immediately got titters from the crowd, considering Mel Gibson's comments and anti-Semitic tirades and the fact that he could have been Oscar Schindler. Spielberg quickly denied, said, no, it was never consideration. She said, is it true Scorsese could have directed it, which I know to be true. Spielberg said, yes, that is true. Originally, Marty had the rights to Schindler's List, and Spielberg had Cape Fear. And then being good friends, they decided to switch it. But as Janet Maslin said, and I've often thought, imagine the film Scorsese would have made. I mean, Schindler's List is brilliant, but just imagine what Marty would have done with it. Um, and they went from there. He also said that, you know, making the project was taxing and and it's tough to kind of rank your own uh, filmography. But Spielberg said, I've never had a film of such substance or such importance since then. I, I can't rank it all time and say it's the best movie I've done. I can't say it's the most important movie I've done. But since that era, 93 on, he's been making movies for 25 years. He said, yeah, that's the one that stands up to me past then. He also may have had one of the great years ever in cinematic history. 1993, Jurassic Park came out and Schindler's List. I mean, boffo box office that changed the business and a critically acclaimed film about the Holocaust, which is a defining film for a generation and woven with such artistry that really it's tough to top. So Spielberg really hit it out of the park there. Liam Neeson told stories as well, being a guy who had done a lot of stage work. He said, um, you know, obviously it was overwhelming to be there with Spielberg. And he said he really hit one of the first few days. They're filming in the ghetto. And one of the guys who was a Holocaust survivor was on the set. And he told Liam Neeson, you see that hut over there? That used to be mine. And Liam Neeson said, wow, now I'm really effing in it. And um, Ben Kingsley didn't speak enough. You know, this is tough for the moderators. I know it's hard to try to spread the wealth, but I would like more Ben Kingsley. The one thing he did say, though, he said his character, who is uh, the epitome of goodness, Spielberg said, if you were to epitomize his character, one word, what would it be? And Kingsley said, witness. And Spielberg said, my word for you is conscience. And they said, okay, got it. And it was like both of them were on the same page of what that character is meant to represent. If Ray Fiennes is the epitome of evil and Ben Kingsley is the epitome of good, then Oscar Schindler's kind of in the middle. And they, originally he's just profiteering, all he cares about is making money, making money, and then by the end, he obviously has a great heart, and he gives up so much of himself uh, to save so many of these Jews. So it's obviously such a powerful film and a very important movie to Spielberg. I'm so glad I got to actually be there at the screening and hear those stories about those guys all telling stories about it. Also went to a Sarah Jessica Parker screening. Uh, interesting, because we're killing a bit of time here. Before me and Ricky went and saw The American Meme, which is Ben Lyons, our buddy, the executive producer of that film, directed by Burt Marcus. Sarah Jessica Parker was holding a, a talk, and she was good. I was hoping, really praying for an L.A. story story, because I, I love that Steve Martin comedy she's in. 
But she talked about sex in the city. She's not actually from New York, even though Mary Carrillo, the moderator, pointed out you think of her as a quintessential New York girl because of sex in the city. Uh, but she says, no, actually, I think she's from Ohio. Uh, but she said, the thing about New York is that it's a city you, you love and hate in many ways. She said that the traffic is nauseating. Certain things don't work that should, but there's certain a passion you get, and that's what she tried to convey in Sex in the City. She's also got a new movie out as well, which I hope to see at some point, and that's what she was promoting there at the festival. So uh, some good stories about her. But married to Matthew Broderick now, 21 years, been together 26 years. So he's talking about Hollywood marriages that enduring can work. Sarah Jessica Park and Matthew Broderick are an example of that. And a very strong working woman. She's got three kids. I mean, she's still rather prolific in her career. Divorce is a hit show on HBO with the great Thomas Hayden Church. She's still balancing family life. So kudos to her for making it successful uh, as a Hollywood actress after so many years. So then we get to American Meme. And we're on the red carpet. And Ben has hooked us up here with everything. So we've got our media passes and so forth. And we're obviously waiting for Paris Hilton. No matter what, we got to get Paris Hilton. But Rick Passmore is coming up to town. He's not getting paid for this. He's hustling up. He's paying $35 in parking. I'm crushing the halal food trucks outside. Where did you go? Hot dog and a beer outside? I went to AOA. It was, a, it was around the block. It was a bar called AOA. So I, I stopped in, had a, a pretzel that was as big as a, a pizza, essentially, <laughs> for happy hour. So I, I put that down, and then it's like, okay, i got to get back and, and meet you. So, so I, while I'm listening I, to Sarah Jessica Parker talk about who is the favorite Sex and City character, how about Miranda's now running I'm, for governor? I'm, I'm watching draft coverage on ESPN2 <laughs> with John Butchergrass on the 6P <laughs> and just putting down this awesome hot pretzel at AOA. Shout out to AOA. That's a hell of a pretzel. So we're there, and we're waiting for all the stars, and literally a couple of the stars come up. We're not sure who each of them are, and they give you a paper, right? You don't know who some of these people are. Uh, but as you're going to hear from Burt Marcus, the director, who's great, Fat Jew, who is great. I didn't – I don't – listen, i got to be honest with you. I don't know – Maybe I should know these things, but I don't know much about Fat Jew, except he's Ben Lines' buddy, and he's a huge social media star. Uh, but he was awesome. Like, as you'll hear in the clips, he was really friendly to me. He told Ben afterwards he didn't realize how handsome I was. He I got, loved you. After, after We'll get to the after party after the review, but yeah, yeah he, he said you were adorable. <laughs> I'm all in on the Fat Jew. <laughs> and then, now he goes by Fat Jewish as well. So apparently he told Ricky... He doesn't have a podcast, but he wants to have a podcast just to interview he me. Wants to have, he wants to do a podcast to interview you and then have that be the only show. <laughs> the one and done. I love you, Josh. You're a good man. Uh, so he was great, and you'll hear from him and Bert in a second. And then Paris Hilton comes up. All right, we're going to get Brit- uh, Brittany Furlong, too. Great with the vine and everything. And then Paris Hilton comes up. we got to get her. we got to get her. All right. Taking a ton of pictures. Obviously, it's a huge event. Big frenzy. Goes to E! News. Does the interview. Goes back to more pictures. We're waiting there patiently in line. It's us, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, somebody else is doing Instagram stuff. Sure enough, she does the Instagram thing. Now it's getting tight. Seven fifty-five. Now we're about to the movie starting at eight o'clock Eastern. Ben, we've already talked to. Him. He's like, all right, hope you guys are getting your stuff. Yeah, all right. Now it's CBS News and I'll get their ask or CBS Radio. Excuse me, they ask a couple questions. I'm like now we have no chance. And then the guy who's with her is saying to me, and I go, listen, just one question. He's all right, one question. Paris answers, I think, two or three from CBS and then bounces. So I'm like, the whole thing, we've got to get Paris Hilton here for Cinephile. We did not get Paris Hilton. No. But you were shooting the entire time, so you did cleverly take some video the, and post that on the Twitter. The Instagram or Twitter or whatever social media video that that gentleman was taking where he got everyone coming up and saying, hey, just shout out Tribeca. Yeah. And so they did that there every time like someone would come up, excuse me, they would come up and say, Oh, yeah, we're here on the red carpet at the American Meme, blah, 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 blah. Shout out Tribeca, you know, doing their things. New York, awesome. Yeah. And she does her thing, and I'm there with the camera recording the interviews, and I'm, like, thinking, there's a possibility we don't get her. Let me at least just get B-roll. So I just snag off the 
the video that they're doing. And as you know, in the sports world, it's a presser. As long as I shoot my own video, that is now ours. I don't got to worry about it. Nice. So I shot that, and that's what you saw on the little teaser trailer on Twitter uh, earlier this week. And uh, sure enough, she we get she gets to our spot. We have our little uh, marking on the red carpet. Yeah, yeah. Little little name tag that Cinephile says Ad, Adnan Verk Cinephile Podcast ESPN. So I'm pretty sure a lot of these people were coming up going. The hell's ESPN doing here? Why is ESPN covering this? And, <laughs> I don't think about sports. But but as as you learn, you know, as most people do with this show, you know, sports and movies collide with Adnan Verk and and collide hard. Uh, but yeah, as soon as they get here, they get done with with uh, the fan with CBS Radio, and she's like, "I gotta go," and like yeah, just gone, but gone, brush past. Like my if you, if you saw the raw video of what I was shooting, getting ready to uh, get her interview, it's literally. Her shoulder, her face, and the floor. <laughs> Not the best use of, of yeah. the visual medium. It's but like, okay, bye. It was it. And so, then and then we were like, well, now we gotta break down and get to our seats because we gotta get in. And how about our seats? Ben Lines executive producer hooking us up. So we're watching American Meme. Excellent documentary from Burt Marcus. Fantastic. All about celebrity. And honestly, you look at these people or these social media stars, maybe it's easy to ridicule them and make fun of them. But honestly, they're they're genuine people, and they're hardworking, and they're ambitious, and they're original. And we're sitting there watching the movie. Literally, I'm, I'm Paris Hilton is behind me, like a little the one row behind me, a little bit further down. So as I'm watching the film, I just keep sneaking back looks at Paris Hilton to watch her laughing at herself or giggling with embarrassment. And behind us is Brittany Furlon, who is the Vine star, who is currently dating Tommy Lee. Engaged, engaged. To Tommy I, I got to say because that the rock she's rocking was huge. Because when Brittany Furlong came so, on the red good, carpet, good again, I don't know these things. Good I'm like, okay, them. who's that? And when I see Tommy Lee, I go, Tommy, I go, they together? And you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm like, no, yeah, they're engaged. Well, Tommy Lee on the red carpet, I'm just like, okay, he's just here. Because I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I didn't do my research. I should have. <laughs> as most people on the Twitter realize, my research sometimes is No, no, is that's apart. not true. But he comes up to the fat Jewish and just starts rubbing his ears out of nowhere. Yeah. We get that on video, and I'm just like, this is, Tom, okay, Tommy Lee has interrupted our interview, which you'll hear later on, has interrupted the interview. To just kind of massage Josh Ostrowski's ears out of nowhere, so, and he's sitting behind me. So, so Brittany's sitting behind you. Yeah, she's five three, so doesn't have to worry about leg room. Yeah. Tommy Lee's six two, easily six two, and he is fidgety. So this this documentary runs about at what hour forty or so, hour yeah, forty five. It's, it's not yeah. it's not hour bad, 40. but I'm a bigger guy, so I'm kind of getting uncomfortable in the seat. So I've got to move a little bit. I get it. But Tommy is is just you know I'm just getting kicked in the, the he wouldn't stop seats. kicking your chair it, and it wasn't and it wasn't malicious he wasn't doing it to be a jerk he was just like he got he's fidgety yeah but I just think it's funny I'm getting this story in my head like I'm at this premiere with with you and and all these celebrities Paris Hilton I'm sitting right in front of Tommy Lee he's got to look at my bald spot it's you know <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for him and he's just kicking the hell out of my chair. As I'm watching this document, I was like, I, I'm not mad. I'm just, I've got a story. It was very surreal. Literally, I'm looking back at Paris Hilton. I'm thinking, 12 hours from now, I'm managing a little league game. That's what I'm focused on. What's she doing 12 hours from now? And I, and I got to go, I got to go back and do a, a game seven Cavs, <laughs> uh, or, uh, Celtics, uh, mini movie at, back at, back for like, sports. Center how are we here? Uh, but seriously, watch American Meme. I don't believe it has distribution as of yet, but Burt Marcus, 
terrific documentary. I'm telling you, I don't want to spoil too much because I want everyone to see the movie. But I'm telling you, you look, think of these people and you go, oh, you got your 15 minutes of fame, as Warhol once put it. And as they joked, maybe it's 15 seconds of fame. But honestly, there's more to it. All right. You think you know Paris Hilton? You think you know, but you don't know. All right. Brittany Furlon, you think, oh, she's just some girl, pretty girl, does a bunch of six second vines as she's dating Tommy Lee. These are hardworking people. Fat Jew, Josh is smart. He thinks outside the box. He's ambitious. And I think oftentimes you have a perception of these people. If you got to know them, you hung out with them as we did a little bit. You go, oh, these guys are great. Yeah, and that's exactly what I took away from the film as well, is that I am I grew up in the era of Paris Hilton, socialite, celebrity, famous for being famous. Right. Yeah, I'm a teenager when The Simple Life's on. So I'm pretty cynical as to what I think about her mm-hmm. going into this same deal. And same thing with Fat Jewish, going into like knowing his controversy with the memes. Yeah. I have an idea of what these people are to me. And then you meet them. Yeah. And the perception changes. Right. Because Fat Jewish could have been a jerk. He could have just been, you know, standoffish. Paris Hilton could have just been I'm a celebrity, I'm better than you. Yeah. And in, in the documentary, you see, the, they're, that's not who these people are. Right. They're very kind to their fans. They're very much like want the, your fans to be a part of their lives as much as, you know, they are a part of their fans' lives in the way of social media and stuff. So going into that, you just have a, a completely different outlook going into it. Uh, it changes as you're coming out. So we watched the movie. It was very good. I told Ben after some parts remind me kind of like a Larry Clark, you know, kids. Sometimes you don't want to look away. Kirill, in particular, this one guy, I mean, he's just a disaster, a slut whisperer. Although I did think he was remarkably self-aware. I mean, he, at times, it looked, Ben said his mom was, seriously, this guy's going to kill himself. Like, it's unbelievable. The alcohol poisoning, the partying, it's scary at times, but at least he's self-aware. I think he realized he wants to get out of this trap. He just can't get out of it, right? It's it's. It's a scary mindset to have because especially when you get famous at that age for doing a certain thing, and it's something I think about, like how my career has gone. And, and had I had this happened to me, had I figured out some way to be famous before I was ready to do it, when I wanted to get out, could I get out? When I wanted to go and do something else, would I have the ability to do that? Do I have the skills to find something else, or do I go and work a nine-to-five and and work something that's just – beating me down emotionally and, and, and physically and knowing that I used to live this former glory, but knowing you can't keep that up. I think that's another side of the, the Kirill story where it's just like, this is a guy that wants out. Like he loves, he loves doing what he's doing. He just goes and parties. All he, just goes to nightclubs. All he does is go to nightclubs and party. Yeah. And, and get struck with people and take pictures. And that's it. And, and, and picks right. up women. And, and one of the things, one of the anecdotes he has in the, in the film is like, you know, she, I'm taking her, she's going to bed with me thinking it's like, it's the story. It was like, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Right. I, I have this story that I'm just taking pictures and now I'm, I'm sleeping with these women. Well, the one girl said to him, she goes, Oh my God, I've never been with a celebrity before. And he and goes, it's, Oh my it's, God, you think I'm a celebrity? Yeah, really? This is what this is now. But that's, but that's the 21st century. That's right. 21st century America. That's, that's millennial <laughs> celebrity. You have, this is Cary Grant of our time now. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I'd probably say, this is this is the Marilyn Monroe era, right? Where you and like Marilyn Monroe was, and there's some allegories to her within the Paris Hilton side and everything too. Yeah. But you reach a certain status with what you're doing on social media, right? And that you you're a celebrity, 
you have you 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 break as soon as you break like a quarter million followers i think on like twitter or instagram or whatever as soon as people are taking notice and have you part of their lives as they're scrolling through their feeds there's there's celebrity to that and there's fame to that and i think that's you know bert kind of mentioned it you know talking about the 15 seconds of fame was 15 minutes that could be 15 years because it's everlasting now it's on the internet it's not going away after parties of Rick Passmore and Paris Hilton in just a second, but now take a listen to the interviews that we got on the red carpet. Burt Marcus, the director, our boy Ben Lyons, the executive producer of the film, and the fat Jewish. Take a listen. I can't believe it. That Philip brought his little brother on our mission into orbit. How long until we get there? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? No, no, don't touch that. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. All right, Bert. Second time on the Cinephile Podcast. I know this is one of the many highlights of your career. I'm a, I'm a fan of yours. Sports is my passion, so I am your biggest fan. No, I appreciate that, I'm man. I'm kidding. Congrats on the film. Thanks, I'm man. so pumped to see it, obviously, because of Ben and our friendship. I can't wait to support it, but tell me all about it. Yeah. First of all, I'm pumped that you're here because there's nobody better than you to be here and cover this. But on top of that, um, yeah, the film, I mean, it's such an apropos time to have a film on social media that covers such a broad array of people and talent and uh, the highest of highs and the most potent of lows. And I think the film hopefully highlights and sparks up a really important conversation to be had right now and does it in a really entertaining way. You've clearly shown, Bert, as a filmmaker, you get the zeitgeist of our times. Whether it's an EDM documentary or making a film about social media, you understand kind of what's tapping social conscience. Where does that come from? I mean, I try. I try my best. You know, with a name like Bert, you need all the help you can get. So you got to stay ahead of the curve, Adnan. You know this. That being said, um, I think it was always interesting to me. I was born and raised in L.A., and I think for me, and went back and forth between L.A. and New York uh, since I was a child. And I think for me, seeing all the people moving to L.A. and New York and, like, trying to make a name and become, quote-unquote, famous for whatever reason was always intriguing to me, and I never understood the psyche behind it. And I wanted to really delve in and figure out a way that we can organically tell a story that was very character-driven and focused on story, uh, people who, like I said, have reached kind of the pinnacle in the social media life, but also, unfortunately, have... have have crashed from it and it's a uh it, it's it's a very interesting cautionary tale to say the least is warhol's 15 minutes of fame line still apropos or is that now wildly out of date because you can last as long as you want i think now it's 15 seconds so it might be 15 seconds everybody's got their 15 seconds but it's it's what what do you have to do to actually um to sustain it and really to it's you have to create something tangible something that you can take away with it um which is why someone like paris or, or josh the fat jewish say what you want about them positive or negative your feelings they've been able to create something tangible that will stand the test of time and that they can take away from this so they're not reliant on their fame anymore which is kind of interesting i always love talking to actors writers directors who are sports fans because like they want to talk sports i want to talk movies but i'll give you the outlet whatever sport you want to talk about whatever team you want to talk about go ahead I mean, I'm, I was a ball boy for the Lakers as a kid, so I'm, I'm, I'm all day. I'm all day basketball. So I'm, I'm looking forward to LeBron's going to LA. So we got the playoffs right now. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I want to see, obviously Warriors, Houston's our final. It's our real finals. So we'll wait for that. And then, uh, after that, we'll, we'll see free agency's going to be entertaining. That's for damn sure. And I'll be watching you to fi- find out all the information. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Bert. Yeah, of course. Thank you. 
co-conspirator Ben Lines. I'm here with you at the Tribeca Film Festival. I have a tough time getting this out because you're on the red carpet. We're on the red carpet together, but this is not the Academy Awards. You and I are wrangling guests. You are the executive producer of this film, my man. How are you feeling? I feel great. I know. We left our penguin suits back in L.A. I'm taking a moment here to film on my Instagram uh, <laughs> my buddy, the fat Jew, who is the subject of this documentary. Yes. This is a lot of, uh, of my worlds colliding in one place. A native New Yorker. Fat Jew, Adnan, Rich Passmore, the Cinephile Crew, Tribeca. I mean, this is a lot right now. You also just got a text from your dad. It's unbelievable. Well, I got, he's outside, he's outside <laughs> with the Let's check what your dad just okay. texted you right now. We'll reveal this later. I'm more <laughs> concerned about what my dad might text me after the movie. I hope we get a good review from the big guy. And he has no, you know, he will not do the whole, well, you're my son, so you get right. a good review. Like, I'm Jeffrey Lynch again. I've got a reputation up hold. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. He's built this for 40 years. What's up, dude? This is my buddy Alex here. Hey, for, Alex, how you doing? Manages the fat Jew, so oh, that's great. there you go. Um, what's it feel? What's it like just to have your movie? It's really festival? cool, man. Honestly, j- jokes aside, I love this festival and I love Burt Marcus, and it's really cool to make something. You and I talk about things other people make all the time. This has been two years in the process, so to now be able to screen it here, I'm like on cloud nine right now. That's awesome, awesome, man. Go next. Cool. Go. Yeah, no Knicks in the playoffs, so we got to deal with Tribeca. But I'm really excited to see, like, to listen to your interview with Paris Hilton. Like, that's going to be well, a they, cinephile. They, Moment. This is how so you see great actors, actresses, and filmmakers over the years. It's only right to have Paris on Tribeca. It's an impressive throng right now of media, so I wasn't sure if we'd get her, but you're right. As far as like actual conversations, there's only a few. It's me, Tribeca, E! News, yeah. so we should be able to get Paris. Who else does spring football in Alabama and Paris Hilton <laughs> at the Tribeca Film Festival besides Adnan Burke? Incredible. It's been a wild week. Uh, congrats on the film, buddy. Thanks, man. Cinephile forever. Social media star. How did it all happen? Uh, it's really, really unclear. 2018 is super weird. <laughs> Honestly, what is going on in the world? Like, who, what does anyone do for a living anymore? I met a guy the other day who told me that he was a, he was a, he was a brand disruption shaman. What's that? I don't know what that is, but apparently... It's a rabble rouser. Yeah, it's really unclear, but apparently, like, he gets paid real money. It's Who knows what anyone does for a living anymore? No one's, like, just, like, a podiatrist anymore. Like, everyone's, like, everyone's jobs are insane now, so I have no clue how any of this happened. But it's amazing to think you've achieved this level of fame through what? Ambition, hard work, desire, spontaneity, humor? Yeah, just, like, and also just, like, not caring. Like, really just being, like, I will completely disrespect myself at all times and the name of my family and, like, the hard work of my immigrant parents in order to get where I am. Like, I was complete. my willingness to do that really propelled me to where I feel like I might be at. Speaking of disrespecting, i got to have you throw some shade at our boy Ben Lyons. You've known him forever. What do you got on Ben that can embarrass him and humiliate him? Oh, my God. I have photos that will blow your whole mind. I have a video of Ben in, like, a towel, like, you know, a female towel style with a head wrap towel dancing to I Want to Dance with Somebody by Mariah Carey, like, in a full work. Like, a full work. I can send you said video. I would like you, I would like you to, I would like you to see that. And I like, because someone, it needs to be experienced by the mainstream media. We're going to make it happen. Thanks, Josh. Always a pleasure. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. 
And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Cinephile. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Cinephile. ZipRecruiter.com slash Cinephile. C-I-N-E-P-H-I-L-E. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, we continue here in Cinephile. Honestly, check out American Meme. It's terrific, and I really hope that it gets a big distribution deal and it's a huge hit for Bert and friends because um, obviously it's very good, and we're invested in it as well. Now, i got to take off. So they do the post panel. I listen to about 10, 15 minutes, and i got to go. i got a little league the next day. Passmore hangs out. The floor is yours because now this is where things get bananas. So we get our wristbands for the after party, and I'm, I'm now to the point where I'm fish out of water. I don't know, like, I, I know Ben, yeah. and I can get contact with people through Ben. Yep. So as soon as I get in, I find Ben, and he's talking with two of his friends, um, and they were, I forget their names off the top of my head because I'm horrible with names, but shout out to them. They were sweet. We had a nice long conversation. They're from, uh, his one buddy's from Brooklyn. They live in Brooklyn now. The fiance, she's from Baltimore originally, so had a nice talk about living in New York and what it's like, and, and coming back and art and all this stuff. So it goes on and I'm just kind of shadowing him like wherever he goes, I'm going. Cause I know nobody. And we start talking with fat Jewish and that's where he, we find out that he's, I, he's got a crush on you. I think I love it. I reciprocate. So. <laughs> the crush. I'm enamored so, of him. So we talk with him and just ping pong him back and forth. I'm talking with the editor of the film who uh, was he was plugging a film he did with um, formerly of ESPN Ed Cunningham who used to do oh. a color commentary for us. Yeah, he uh, is actually an ex- was an executive producer on this uh, documentary called Finders Keepers. I've seen it. It's and about the leg. The leg, and, and he was that. plugging that, and he and he's got this thick European accent telling me about like how video editing or film editing is. It's like I love doing it. It's so it's just great money. I love doing. It. I do like three projects a year. I, I it's great. And it's like have you seen? I did. With, you work at ESPN. I, I do. I did movie with Ed Cunningham. Nice. And like name dropping. I come to find out that Ed Cunningham actually did the King of Kong too, which is now great. back in the back in the news. Yep. Uh So look that one up if you haven't. So I'm talking with him, and I'm film nerd and everything, and I'm talking with Ben, and we're watching the end of the Utah game on his phone because we got to see what's going on. My yeah. Cavs obviously took a big old. You know what? On game six, but mm-hmm. you know we're we're here now. Uh, so, but he's hanging out. We're talking, and and I'm telling him about my you know little film work and stuff like that, and how financing goes between big and small, and like all that kind of stuff. And then he's got to leave. Now this is where I'm really struggling because now I know zero people, and it is all just celebrities and maybe some press and their friends and a handful of fans that were able to get into the after party. So I'm fight or flight. I'm going, do I, I got a two hour drive back to Connecticut. I'm pretty good. I haven't really been drinking. Like I'm, I'm all right. Like water, water, water. So do I just head back to about one thirty? So I figure, okay, well I'm going to go and at least say hello to Paris, introduce myself, you know, chatter up for a hot second and then get out. So the my one in is she's got this little light on her phone that's a 
uh, like a really soft light, a warming light, a yeah. warm light, yeah, like a twenty six hundred. If you if you follow lighting uh, color, so I just say like how I think that's a genius move. It's great for your brand, and that you know you, the film changed my mind, and all like all of this is you know you've changed my she mind on what you were. With friends, or she was, she was sitting. She was sitting in the in the corner of the room, and, in. back with all yeah everyone else was there, but the party's dying down anyway. Like okay. like Tommy Lee and Brittany left, Josh had left, you know Nikki had already left. So it, it's winding down, but it's still going. And so she turns and she's like, oh, thank you. Like, but starting to engage me in conversation, not saying, oh, thanks. Bye. You yeah, know, yeah. If you want to take a selfie, get out of here. She was very kind and she was very sweet. And she asked me, she's like, well, where are you from? I was like, well, I live in Connecticut now, but I'm from Ohio originally. And then she kind of stops for a minute and she turns to her fiance and just goes, babe, babe, he's from Ohio. Come to find out her fiance, the actor Chris Zilka, he went to high school with my cousin at Howland High School back in back in Ohio. He's a year older than my cousin and two years older than I am. Wow. He also went to the University of Toledo, which is my alma mater for yes. a couple years yes. before he had to he had to leave. And so we're just broing out over Ohio, broing out over Youngstown, over Toledo. And it's just such a strange coincidence. Just just the weirdest moment of serendipity that this would happen and you're getting to know these people beyond what they're seeing on the screen and so i and i'm asking him, like how did like how did you guys get together and he told me the story about how like they they met and how he was kind of timid about meeting her at first like they're both kind of shy outside of the limelight and everything mm-hmm. and he just said i just got i just had to go for it and then we just started hanging out and then next thing you know a couple years later and I'm like that's awesome that's I just that's had amazing. to go for it. like you're dating you're, you're gonna get married to paris hilton to, to much to a much lesser extent that was the same idea i had just to say hi and like get out <laughs> you know i just like i just gotta go do this and then i'm and then and then i'm there till three in the morning and I'm leaving with them and leaving with Bert, and that's where um, you got a picture of Paracel, which I, I got a selfie. I got a selfie with her. I will I will tweet that out. Yep. And so, yeah, it went from I'm going to take off at 1:30. I had a good time. It was a cool experience. To I partied with Paris Hilton and got to know her fiance. And we tried to get her on the pod, but you know, craziness happens. I try to get her in on a phoner, but you know, life is life. So. Maybe when the uh, film gets distribution, we'll try again. We'd love ben to have her on. That. He goes when the movie gets distributed. I think they'll do a round of PR. So yeah, so we'd love that. Up, we'd uh, love to have her on. Get you up, know. Zilka. You got to keep that young. Zilka will be like he. He just got done with. I think the leftovers just finished up on HBO. If I think that's if I'm not mistaken, that's what it was on. He did four seasons there, so he's gonna have some projects, and he's his star is growing as well. So maybe we can get him on proper when he's got a film coming out. You know, we'll see what goes that's on. That's the end. Your yeah. boys with the fiance. But yeah, like, but he 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 said this. When I gave him my number, and well, that's where I brought up saying like, "Well, we missed her on the carpet. We, we'll try and like get a hold of her." Like, you you want to get a you want to get a phone interview where they just give me a call, man. We'll we'll set it up. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, like Both I said, life yeah. life happens. It happens. So, yeah. but like I gave him my number, and I still have my Ohio number, uh, even though I live in Connecticut. And he's like. I'll always f with a with a three three zero, and it's like that. That's. That that's Ohio for you. That we 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 look out for our own man. We I like it. Whenever whenever an o- another Ohio and successful, as long as you're cool, yeah, we're we're happy. Like we're our family. So that's great. Man. More power to them. We always look out for each other. All right, that concludes the stories. Quickly, a few more reviews, and then we'll uh, finish up this Tribeca cinephile episode. I saw a couple episodes of this show called 
Sweet Bitter, which is on Stars, it was awful. Avoid it like the plague. I saw two episodes because I had nothing else to do at that point. I had a little bit of a hole before I was going to go see Sarah Jessica Parker speak and then our American meme screening. So, listen, it's uh, filled with all the usual restaurant cliches. Avoid it at all costs. I did really like a documentary called Sidelined. It's very interesting because with all the talk about the cheerleaders right now in the NFL, Washington Redskins cheerleaders said they had to pose topless and said they were kind of being pimped out as escorts. And so this documentary is very good. Uh, I recommend it. It's only 40 minutes long. It's called Sidelined. And uh, I hope it gets picked up somewhere and people can look for it. But it's about the San Diego Chargers cheerleaders who in the 1970s filed suit against the NFL because of the fact that, you know, for years, cheerleaders had just been criminally underpaid. And I get it that, fine, they know the deal. They know how much you're paying. But honestly, it's unfair the way that they're treated. And uh, this documentary did a really good job of illuminating how these cheerleaders felt, um, how maybe it was taboo for some of them at the time, how they've all maintained friendships. So it was... um Maybe a story wouldn't expect of a female empowerment, but I thought they did a nice job of, of tying it all together and, and obviously making it relevant to today while also showing what the world was like in 1970s and just this whole concept of, all right, scantily clad women for this male-dominated sport, but how is this going to work on all ends? And somehow they made it work. And also a really good documentary called Time for Ilhan. Uh, that is going to be at the Hot Dogs Festival, which is a huge uh, documentary festival in Toronto for those that know it. Uh, and hopefully they get distribution at some point. That's the story of Ilhan Omar, who became the first Somali-American ever elected into office. And it's a really excellent story. I mean, it's David and Goliath style. Uh, there's actually quite a big Somali-American population now in Minnesota. Uh, there's about 70,000, I would say. And she runs for office, and it deals with the challenges. She's up against the incumbent who's been there forever, who is openly saying, yeah, okay, Ilhan is prettier, and she's younger, and she's got this whole cool style. Uh, but obviously she's trying to overcome you know, Islamophobia and all the rest of it going on. So at that point, it becomes a real challenge for her. And by the way, she's running against another Somali. So now you're dividing the own community. Rather, you say, all right, all the Somalis vote for me. Well, no, you got another guy who's running, and she's worried that some of the older men are going to say, well, no, no, you know, vote for him, not her. Um, and of course, this is when Trump was running. So she's battling Islamophobia. You know, at one point, one of the characters is like, oh, I've noticed that she's gotten older. She's wearing, you know, her silk hijab now and her, her headscarves are more revealing. And she's like, listen, you can't wear a silk hijab. It doesn't tie anyways. And this is who I am. And they have this awful mudsling against her. They accuse her of multiple marriages and bigamy. And it's, it's just awful. But it makes you appreciate how tough political campaigns are. These people are, especially the volunteers, the campaign managers, like in Minnesota for state legislature, you're doing this because you really care about your city and your community. You're doing this because you care about, in her case, college tuition and, and helping those who are underserved. I mean, it's, it always does mind-boggle. It's very easy to dismiss politicians and say, yeah, okay, they're a bunch of phonies or a bunch of liars. But, hey, maybe I'm wrong. But in time for Ilhan, you really feel like Ilhan Omar is genuine and personable and caring and doing so not to, not for any money but for love of the game. So it's a really good documentary. I hope people check it out. Her story is really good. If you Google Ilhan Omar, when I mean, she was on the cover of Time, she's obviously become a trailblazer. Uh, for not only Somalis, but also Muslim women in America. So I really hope it gets a good distribution deal and people hear about it. Lastly, I can't believe this is happening. I'm going to be on the jury of a film festival. The Greenwich Film Festival, I'm one of three jurors who's going to determine the winner. They sent me all the movies. I don't know how I'm going to do this, Ricky. i got to watch ten movies in the next month. I mean, I know maybe that's not outlandish for me. I mean, the average two movies a, a week, but... The problem is that there's always, you know, other movies I want to see, new releases and such. I can't wait. Paul Schrader's got a new movie out called First Reformed with Ethan Hawke coming out uh, May 18th. I'm dying to see it amidst all the other stuff you want to see. I mean, Charlize Theron's got a new movie. So I, I'm going to see 10 movies. Here's how I think you do it, though, because I emailed the guy back. and I said, you have to watch these. He said, well, yeah, I mean, you got to have notes and stuff. I just have to go down to Greenwich Friday, June 1st. One day, the other two jurors 
and say, all right, here's how I'm picking it, one, two, three, and go from there. Is there any way that I can outsource this? He can't, right? I mean, no. I've got to watch it. I yeah. can't say, well, Passmore told me. No, because we have different tastes. tastes. Right. So I'm going to have to I watch. Can't, I can't pick your picks for you. That's not right. We're going to have Mark Teixeira on Cinefall at some point. Of course, the great baseball player who's now my good friend here at ESPN on Baseball Tonight. Tex is the one who hooked this up because Teixeira um, is on the board of the Greenwich Film Festival. So he obviously knows about Cinefall, knows my passion and love for movies. And he got me connected. Mike Greenberg's done some stuff. Rosillo's done stuff. But they, I think they just hosted like a panel. They have not been jury members. The jury, fact that, jury's pretty big. Jury's, right? yeah. That's, that's some, that's a sizable credential right there. Like you run a panel. That's, you know, you're using your talents. You're using your, right. your sports acumen, your broadcast history. Running a panel, like this is some, this is some big time, uh, some, some big time credential for you to get some work. And maybe eventually we can get you, uh, we get you a producer on a film. We can get you some actual academy voting. I was going to say that, that, that is out. the next step. I, don't to figure, keep, I think I don't we need to talk to Ben Lyons about that. Whatever, whatever's coming up in the works that yes. we can at least get you in the PGA at some, in some form. I think Ben was saying, I got to get in the BFC, the Broadcast Film Critics Association. Cause he goes, rather than you schlepping up to New York to see Phantom Thread or Silence, stories of which I find quite amusing on your podcast. He goes, if you pay like a hundred bucks a year, you'll get all the screeners. Like it's, it's going to change your life. The one thing I, the one thing I got to say about that, because I've seen screeners before, there's nothing like, no, you're right. going to the theater to see, especially something like Phantom Thread shot on you know, 70 millimeter. It's beautiful. Yeah. As opposed to watching a DVD with a watermark on it on a stereo sound. <laughs> like, it's like, it's essentially watching it on your phone. Like, yeah. you know, so, but, but if you're just watching it to get another thing, yeah, I guess so. But, no, but you're right. You and I are purists. There are certain films, no matter what, yep. will go down, dine, arguing vehemently. You've got to watch it on the silver screen. So, text will be coming up at some point, and I'll start watching all these movies for the Greenwich Film Festival. If you're in Connecticut, please come check us out June 1st. Uh, at the film festival. So for Rick Passmore, Dan Stanzik is currently busy in a meeting with his actual job. I'm Adnan Burke. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time at the movies. Don't miss out on the next episode of Cinephile. Subscribe to the Adnan Burke Movie Podcast by clicking the Listen tab in the ESPN app. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.